Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. My name is Varo, and with us today we have a special guest. Let me introduce my co-host first, Luis. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Just here chilling, chilling at home. This is the this is the earliest we've ever recorded. I think it, it feels weird. Yes, for a good reason too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I had to like <laughs> move away from all the windows in my apartment because since it's earlier, there's a lot more traffic. So there's a lot of like trucks going by and stuff. Yeah, I kind of like funny. found like the quietest spot in my in my apartment to try to get this done to to let, to edit it less, I guess. That's funny because in the front, like one of my front neighbors is cutting his grass right now. He's <laughs> mowing the lawn. <laughs> I moved all the way to the back. <laughs> yeah middle of the day but with us today we have tom harrison he has a podcast of his own uh, another football podcast that he co-hosts with Gotti, friend of the pod uh he was a former data analyst with santos laguna in mexico and he's a writer and data analyst for liga mx which is what we're really gonna get get into today tom what's up man how are you I'm good, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on, and um, apologies for making you get up early to do this. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not early. It's just, moving, it's just moving around the house. Yeah, it's just we haven't... It's yeah, going to feel right weird now. not being up to like 2 a.m. editing the pod and releasing it. So I'm, I'm, I'll be done by like 4 p.m. now. So it's going to be weird. Like I don't have to take my whole night to edit the pod. <laughs> yeah, podcasting does normally feel like more of a... A thing that drags on into the night, right? Yeah, definitely does. Definitely sure. seems like a night thing. But um, what's up, Tom? How 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 are things over in the in the UK? Yeah, things are alright. Uh, we finally got some warmer weather this week, so that, that's fun. You guys still on lockdown over there? Um, we're just sort of starting to come out of it now, so you nice. can you can meet some people outside and uh, play some sport outside now and then further down the line shops and stuff will open so it's getting better slowly still no fans right in the stadium over there no no uh not until i think sometime in may they can have some fans so close yeah but they're hoping for the the euros this year in the summer to have maybe full stadiums or or certainly a lot of people at at games so yeah that's awesome it'll be exciting it's been a long year (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah Quite they had already time. started, right? Having fans in in England, I feel like Premier League had had fans already. We had like a two week period or yeah. something where they changed the rules and they said I think they allowed like two thousand fans into stadiums, and then, mm-hmm. um, yeah, very quickly that got changed. See, I feel like you guys are doing it right here in the U.S. It's just we the people stop caring, like they just want to go to sports. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think the the lucky thing we've got here is um, just because because of the way the weather is, people always uh, kind of don't do as much in the winter and then get ready for you know a big fun summer of loads of events. And so we've just kind of been told for ages, okay, stick it out during the winter and it's going to be a good summer. So I think everyone's kind of holding on to that. Yeah, man, definitely. That's the problem here. We're in we're in summer now and. People are just walling out. Like Miami had to like shut down. Yeah. For a week. Luis, you're out there. <laughs> Listen, I was at. The, I can't say anything because I went to the Canelo fight. Um, <laughs> and like you see the videos of Miami, like during spring break. I mean, I was there three weeks earlier, and it looked like that on South Beach. You just didn't. It just didn't get that type of of media attention. But it was pretty crazy. But honestly, Florida, Florida is one of those states where 
if we're being honest, it's pretty much ignored any any guidelines. So it's just it's just Florida. That's how it is. <laughs> um, all right, I think we should just get into what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to be looking at Tom puts out like these really good articles on like analyzing stats and analyzing positioning of players. And recently, he did like a three article series on Chivas, and honestly, some really interesting stuff, Luis, because it kind of backs up a lot of what we've been saying. But also, there are some like contradictions to what we've been saying, which is which is really cool to see. Yeah, I was I was going over it. I was looking at it, and it's funny because I brought this up on Twitter sometime this week, and I kind of got a little inkling of that from reading the from reading one of Tom's articles about Vega and Masia. So maybe we can get into it a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, we'll just start with uh, the first article that Tom wrote where he analyzed the uh, fullbacks for Chivas, their positioning, their strengths, and their weaknesses. Um, particularly, I think where Tom breaks it really breaks it down really well is the left-back position between uh, Ponce Mayorga and Chicote. He kind of analyzes the strengths and the weaknesses of each player. Um, Tom, if you just want to get into it and we'll chime in with our thoughts and opinions. Yeah, um, I think it's it's an interesting one. I mean, just something in, in general that I really love, I really find interesting looking at is just the the way that players can be so different even within the same position. Uh, different players can kind of interpret the the role in a very different way. And that, you know, is something that is very important to understand um, and very important when you're thinking of, of building a squad. And so Chivas have some, certainly a, a good number of them really are, you would say, of a decent standard for the league. Um, but they do very different things. I mean, Bonse is the more kind of steady, um, reliable player who isn't going to be making loads of runs into into attack. Um, Mayorga is someone who is more energetic, gets up and down the flank, uh, likes to take on defenders 1v1, and Chicote is kind of the same, but also adds this kind of goal-scoring ability and um, a- attempts a lot of shots for a fullback. Um, and that, I mean, that's probably the reason why he was signed by Chivas when he scored five goals for Nakaxa back in, in um, what was it, the Apertura 2019. So, yeah, three left-backs who offer some different things. Yeah, I like I like that you brought up um, Chicote's performance against America in one of your articles where um, we talked about it and we said it was kind of more of a fluke because we looked at the, I forget what the exact expected goal for that exact game was for Chicote, but it was like something like point seven or something and he scored three mm. goals so that's like a ridiculous outlier and as on the pod we feel like that's basically what saved Lucid teaches job and um you know what's giving him some continuity I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of like outside factors but um what do you like those numbers for Chicote were like are they should Chivas be basing it on that like giving him more playing time or are they just too much of an outlier in your opinion Oh, I mean, those those three goals were just ridiculous. Like, you're spot on. It was a complete outlier. And, and this is, I mean, this is football. This is one of the the kind of joys of it. But also the thing that makes it really, really frustrating if you're 
um, working in the game or you're trying to understand the game because weird stuff happens all the time. Like a player should, <laughs> not many players score three shots from outside the box in a whole season, let alone in two games against your biggest rivals in Ligia. Like that's so weird. Stuff like that doesn't really happen very often, but it can do. Um, you're right. The you know the expected goals numbers would have been very low. I don't know the exact one uh, numbers off the top of my head, but even just remembering the goals themselves, I mean, there was the one where he struck the ball phenomenally well into the top corner. I think mean, didn't or didn't it like go in off the bar? I feel like uh, all the goal third, <laughs> third one, I think third one went off the crossbar, the, off the bottom yeah, of the crossbar. The third one, which was like that, was a golazo. Like yeah, and that would have you know another um advanced stat there is is looking at what they call post shot or expected goals on target which is trying to analyze the likelihood of the the shot being scored based on where it goes into the goal um and that certainly would have had a higher chance of going in considering how good the shot was but the other two for me were certainly errors by Ochoa so yeah no coach or player should be judged start something very weird like this. Um, and, you know, the, for me, the, be- the better way to look at Chicote is to look at where you've got like a full season of his his performance, which was when he was in Nikaxa. Now, I, I don't know if you watched any of the Chivas games or if you did, how much you watched them in Nikaxa, but do you think he's better as a as a left wing like or an attacking player like he was using as America or as a left back? Um, I still think I liked him as a left back at Nikaxa because, you know, he, he had a lot of freedom to push forwards. And I think being able to arrive from a deeper space maybe meant that he was getting, he was finding it a little bit easier to right. to not be marked. Different options for him. Yeah, I, I like that about him. I mean, I haven't particularly liked him that much when I've seen him as, as a wide player. Thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> to be honest. Same. I don't I don't like even those games against America we where Faro says they're fluke goals, like not even looking at the stats, just looking at his performance, like outside those three goals. And it's hard to say outside the three goals because the goals did happen, but when I've seen him in other games, he just looks kind of lost when he plays on like on the wing or attacking more. More of an attacking player. Like he doesn't yeah, know, he doesn't know how to play it. Almost, it's almost like he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to how to move there. Um, which is well, very a very different position, like, right? You you you've got to you know you're receiving the ball in in different areas. Um, you're normally going to be under more pressure. There's normally less space for you to get the ball in. Um, you're coming up against a fullback who's probably going to be better at marking you than an, an opposing winger, right? So yeah, yeah, I agree. I, th- I don't think he's looked that comfortable with it. And I, and unfortunate for him, those goals happened, and that's where he's been used. Yeah, Usatich said this worked two games in a row. Let me see if it'll work again. And we saw it immediately, like after, in the aftermath of uh, Chivas Leon, where Chicote was put on the left wing, and Leon basically neutralized him. He did nothing in those 180 minutes of the series. Yeah, and unfortunately. Um... You know, the way the human brain works is that those moments really right. stick in a person's head. Yeah. And 
obviously you kind of expect that with fans but this this happens with coaches too that a certain moment can just yeah it's, it sticks in the head they think oh maybe they think this guy is in great form he's going to be feeling so good after scoring those goals and um they can perhaps not make the best decision oh it's, that's happened a lot with Wilson Beach it's like he makes a sub and if it kind of works he's like I'm just going to do this again <laughs> then a game later then a game later he'll bench that player um we saw we saw Chicote Calderon not play for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden he appears in the Clásico again as a sub so uh, probably just crazy. trying to relive that moment <laughs> again but yeah and we've seen that a lot with Wilson Beach yeah I'm not sure what he's thinking with Chicote really um he hasn't yeah, like you say, had that run particularly in Ligia, but apart from that, he hasn't played much. No, I mean, well, we can get into it a little later, but I think it's also, you know, Teach kind of inherited the scene. It's not exactly the players that he asked for, or, or maybe even Tena didn't ask for them. It was just like maybe the front office needed some flashy signings. Uh, Angulo had a great season with Necaxa. Chicota had a great season with Necaxa. You know, they needed some positive publicity, maybe. But mm. um, I. I want to talk about uh, on the pod, you know, we have a running joke that Miguel Ponce is my guy. And I feel like, you know, by Ch- a lot of Chivas fans, he gets like a lot of hate. And, you know, you have the stacks to back it up that, you know, he's kind of like Mr. Like good old reliable, like, you know, not doesn't do anything particularly like too well, but like he's not terrible either. You know, he's kind of just right. Yeah, yeah. I understand that, that there's a little bit of a like he, he seems to divide opinion between Chivas fans, right? Definitely. <laughs> like, I I have nothing against him personally. I mean, like, certainly the, the stats show, yeah, he, he's dependable, he's reliable. I think he can do a, a decent job for a lot of teams in Liga Mekis. My issue is when it's him and Chapo at right back. And sometimes I get so frustrated watching Chivas when the two of them are playing fullback because you've got these times where it'll be like Chivas passing around at the back and you get the the kind of like almost a straight line of four players right. uh, between the centre-backs and the two full-backs staying back and just like endless, the ball goes sideways, it ends up at one of the full-backs, the full-back looks up, passes to the guy down the line, they're completely under pressure because they're up against the sideline, they haven't got any options <laughs> and eventually Chivas lose the ball and that just drives me insane sometimes. Well, that that brings me back to that um, that moment in the classical time. I don't know if you saw it, but we tweeted out the gif of Mayorga trying to dribble out from the back, and he basically dribbles across the whole pitch like sideways, and uh, his only outlet pass is Brizuela at right back. And we've been saying that that's like a huge problem for Chivas that their back line just doesn't know how to play out the back, and now we don't know if that's a result of our midfielders just not opening themselves up to receive the ball and um you know we'll get into it when when we talk about the midfield but that's like a big problem for our back line we don't they they can't advance it seems like yeah it is it is it's a big issue and um throughout the those series of articles i kind of always came back to that point that probably the biggest kind of team issue of chivas right now is the ability to be able to build out from the back and progress the ball into the attacking areas of the pitch um, because too often it just seems to get stuck around the defenders and they're not able to effectively move the ball up, up the pitch. So, yeah, it's something I kept coming back to and 
you'll see. I mean, I, it's obviously always hard to find definite answers about these things, but I theorized about the different things you mentioned, like the, is it the players at the back? Is it the, the movement of the midfielders? Is it the movement of the, the attacking players as well? So there's lots of factors that seem to impact this. Yeah, and I think one of the things, like, I don't hate Bond. <laughs> I, I just wish he didn't start because we have better <laughs> offensive. We have better offensive options at left back, like we said. And I just mm. think when you play in a, such a defensive form, especially in the midfield, even with Lalo Torres and, and Molina, that why not give the team a better offensive option down the wing, down at left back, down at right back? So that's my biggest problem. It's not that I hate yeah. Bond. Like, I think. We can be a little bit more... If we can't be creative down the middle of the field, let's be a little bit more creative down the wing. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. And um, when you're trying to put together a squad, you've got to think about the balance between you know, attack and defense. And certainly for teams that do have more of the ball, do like to play out from the back, just thinking about other teams around the world, they don't tend to have two, right, uh, two fullbacks that tend to hang back all the time. Right. It seems to be either that they have attacking fullbacks or they kind of have one who pushes forward and one who, who uh, stays back a bit more. Yeah, definitely. And then we also have, you know, our right backs where she wasn't kind of stuck, I think. Um, you know, Chapo is getting older. He's not as offensive anymore. And then, you know, we're also using Brizuela at right back. And I think you break it down well, Tom, um, no, there's not... They both have their pros and cons for starting at right back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been a big fan of Chapo for a long time. Um, I think he's he's solid, dependable like Ponce, but he's better. Um, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the stats would suggest that. I think he's 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 more creative. Um, he's He's got better vision of pass and in a defense that like you say can struggle to move the ball up the pitch he is very good at doing that yeah but i think like just just the fact that he's gotten older he's not like um before he used to make a lot of runs up the right wing and now i feel like he sticks back a lot more and you have like one of the heat maps for him and you know that it shows in the in the heat map he's not as offensive so i think that's kind of why maybe they're taking a chance on brisuela but I don't know, it's just not working. I think Chivas needs to bring bring somebody in or at least start molding somebody because we have, I think, what's his name, Alexis Peña as a backup, but he, I don't even think he's ever played first team minutes with the team. I think he went to Chris Hassoul. Yeah, that's the one who got caught at the party, wasn't it? Oh, so who's the other, then who is it, Madueña then, right? Madueña, yeah. Madueña is the guy we have on the bench. He, he hasn't been good for us. Yeah, and there's there's Van Rankins on on loan at I think Portland. Timbers Portland, as well. yeah. I don't know why he, why they loaned him out. He was the answer. I mean, he had a great season with Santos last last season. He did, yeah. He he was very good at Santos actually, and I think certainly if you're looking for someone with a bit more energy, um, then he's a good option to have. I mean, you're right. Chapo isn't someone who's getting in, uh, making overlaps getting into attacking positions, taking on defenders anymore. So definitely his his style of play has changed a lot. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see a decline in his ability to defend. Um, you know, we we're big Chapo guys and, you know, we remember when he was struggling. He started off I think as a winger and 
I, I remember when he yeah. was a winger. I don't know if it was Matias that turned him to a right back or somebody before him. But he found his place at right back. And now, you know, to see him maybe start, he's going to start declining again. It's like, it sucks. But, you know, he had a great run. He should have been considered for the national team at some points in his career. He I was mean, so good Os- for Chivas. Osorio don't like short guys. So. Oh, yeah, that's when Osorio <laughs> doesn't like short guys. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm like 100% sure that's why he was never considered for the national team. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he would always use um like uh, Alvarez at right back. Yeah, and he yeah. would use players from Chivas who Diego we, Reyes we didn't even like. What was the center backs that we hated, Marlon? Um, oh, he used to use... Basulto um, and Marin. Basulto and Marin, yeah. He would use Marin, I think, at left back. He Sometimes. won the Gold Cup or something with him, right? Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> um, Alright, so we did the left backs and right backs. I think where, you know, where Tom has stuff that kind of contradicts what we say at least, is uh-huh. in the midfield. Like, a lot of the stuff that I was reading about Beltran and Molina particularly were like, like damn, Tom kind of has a point, you know. Like we, I want to talk about Molina first. Molina's okay. a guy that we've been saying is kind of like it's kind of pointless of him being out there. Like he doesn't touch the ball much. Um, you know, sure his leadership and better, you know, him being a better in his what is supposed to be his strength and brings strength to the team. But we're in 16th place, so that might not be working. <laughs> and then defensively, you know, at times we've seen him be a, a, a big liability. So, but, speed, but, yeah. but Tom does bring up some points. So, Tom, I'm going to let you get off the points why Molina should be starting for Chivas. This is going to be a tough one, Tom. I'm going to let you know the <laughs> fan base. Whew, it's going to be tough to convince people here. Who <laughs> he said I think he should be starting? Oh, or, thank you. Give me the See, pros. I read, when then, I read it, I didn't... And then we'll... Yeah, I, I, I mean, took it like that, but all right, no, let's, let's hear Tom out. Yeah. We got Tom on the let's, let's hear him out. <laughs> I think it's a tough one. Um, he let, let's put it this way: not playing him would be a risk. Um, mm-hmm. but, and the reason I say that is mainly because he does, although he's not outstanding defensively, he does a lot of the defensive work in the, in the midfield. And the other midfield options um, don't do a lot. Could they? Potentially, yes. Uh, But that's why I'd say it would be a risk. The other aspect is his aerial play. And Chivas tends to normally not have the tallest team, but he is someone who has a lot of aerial strength. Um, So I think he's quite important at set pieces. But... There is, I, I totally get the point and about him sort of being useless, as you say. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I wrote about how I think he's a huge, huge problem for, again, coming back to Chivas building attacks from the back and, and playing through the midfield because he is just, he's not great on the ball. Um, he doesn't get much of the ball, mainly because his his positioning, his his movement, his ability uh, to lose a marker and become available for a pass isn't very good. Uh, he's not great when he does get the ball. And certainly in Liga Mekis, comparing to the other teams that have more possession, teams like Tigres, um, like Leon, like Tijuana, Pachuca, 
they don't have a midfielder who has this in possession weakness that Molina does. So I, I do think he is probably quite a big problem. Yeah, I don't know. Is that clear? Why he <laughs> starts? Clear. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, but I would ask. All right, let's say defensively the other guys maybe don't do what he does. Are they far off? Is it like a big glaring disparity between Molina and Lalo Torres? Or are they closer to where it's like, you know what, we're willing to take the risk? Well, Like, how far is that disparity? It's quite a big disparity. I mean, the thing about Lalo Torres is in Tapatio, where obviously he got quite a lot of minutes uh, last season, he was playing a little bit further forward than he has done. For, for Chivas mm-hmm. so therefore you know he wasn't doing that that much defensively so it's kind of hard to know yeah. and at Chivas so far like he's been playing alongside Molina so maybe you take out Molina he would be able to do more I mean I think that's the big question for me I can't quite tell that from the right. data that we have I think that's something you need to watch him in training but if he can do the defensive work as well he long-term is the deepest midfielder, without doubt. All right, I just think, to me, we go back, again back to the, the offensive options that we have. Like, we just struggle so much on attack. And what, like we said, the same thing with Ponce. Ponce is on in defense, Chapo's on defense. You, you have Molina. Maybe if you were maybe you were to convince me on Ponce, if you're like, we're going to risk a little bit more in the midfield. And then I'll be like, all right, let's solidify the defense a little bit more. But that's my biggest issue is just the offense. He stands to me, he stands around too much. Um, it just becomes a very predictable offense to kind of defend against. Um, Without it, doubt, yeah. Without doubt, it, there's there's not enough there's not enough forward passing options when the defenders have the ball. Right, and when we talk about like a lot of teams that use defensive mil- midfielders, and even all over the like the big teams around the world, it's it's they're not just strictly defensive midfielders. They're defensive midfielders that can also move the ball around they move around on, they move around without the ball also um so i just wish we had a more of a defensive midfielder that can move around like that like gallito like gallito when we won the championship he wasn't just strictly a defensive midfielder we could also put the ball through him and, and he could move the ball around as well yeah no absolutely and i mean that's where i would be really excited i don't know how you guys feel about lalo torres but i would be really excited about him because his ability to move, find space, receive the ball, and then, you know, switch play, find guys between the lines, I, I think is impressive. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, and I think, uh, I just feel like Beltran and him, I would like to see them together. I feel like, like you say, their movement, the way they move without the ball, I feel like they would benefit, they would help each other out a lot more than Molina helps out Lalo Torres. And it would probably make Lalo Torres' job even easier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it would, would, there's an element of risk in it, but right. it, it is what I would do. Right. Um, and if, if, slash if, signing another one. Right. And if you're a good defensive coach, and I mean, we see it around the world, is like you can teach the team to defend as a team. Like all over Europe, you see the teams, the, the, the strikers drop all the way back and they move around as a team and they defend as a team. Um, so that could be another option as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly. A lot of coaches would say, "Give me, give me the talented players on the ball, and I'll teach them to do the defensive work." Right. Yeah, Tom, you bring up Lalo Torres, and you know, you say that you're excited about him as a Cubas fan. I'm super excited about him. I, I have noticed he does get like backlash from fans on social media and stuff, and I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't understand why 
why they're hating on him. Like, as a fan, we talk, we said, you know, he looked shaky at first, but I think, Luis, you can agree that we've seen him grow a lot. Like, he, he looks a lot more confident on the ball. He's dropping passes in front of Antuna. That's, like, particularly something that I've seen him improve on. He drops passes in front of our, our attackers. And then even, Tom, you bring up the defensive liability, possibly. Um, in that game against Leon, you know, he was the the guy breaking play between the back line and the midfield for Leon. So I think, you know, he does have the defensive capabilities and, you know, he's just going to go improving from here on out, in my opinion. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think he's, like I said, he should be um, the guy who long-term should be at the base of the midfield for Chivas. Um, there's There's a lot of talent there and, you know, it just needs the coaches to be analyzing his game and, you know, thinking about how to push him on and what can he improve on next. And maybe that's out of possession stuff. All right. Do you want to get into Chivas' fans' uh, favorite midfielder, Fernando Beltran? He has yes. A, yes. A soft spot in, every, backlash, in right? every Chivas fan's heart. Yeah, this is, this is the one that you're going to get backlash for. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Go ahead, Tom. The problem with Beltran is um, his. Oh, there's okay. There's a lot of problems with him, to be honest. I'm gonna <laughs> people are not gonna like me after I I talk about him. The big thing is that um, he plays a lot of passes that don't progress the ball, don't go forward. Um, particularly compared to to Lalo Torres majority of Beltran's passes are sideways or backwards and this makes him compare to uh, a few different midfielders in the league he's in this kind of section of players who get the ball a lot and and play sideways a lot which is like Guido Pizarro at at Tigres, uh, Pedro Aquino when he was at Leon and now America uh, Lorenzo Reyes, who was at Atlas now at Mazatlan. The thing about those midfielders is they are all the most defensive midfielder in a team, uh, in in that midfield, and they do a, a a job in possession and without the ball, they're the main guys protecting the back line. And we've gone through that. You know, the options there for Chivas are, are really uh, Lalo Torres or Molina. And Beltran playing further forward and not really doing much defensive work. Um, I just sometimes wonder, you know, what really is he offering here? This isn't to say that he's not a very technically gifted player, but I think he's someone who perhaps has the moments for the highlight reel without consistently doing good things. Do you, do you think he'd be like a player that would definitely benefit leaving Chivas and kind of testing his uh, his luck at another club? Maybe with a better system in place for him to, to prosper? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, no, I, I may, you know, sometimes these things, these things would work and um, maybe working under a better coach would help him. I think that you know, I'd love to work with him to try to get to the kind of root cause and, and talk to him about how he plays and his decisions on the pitch. 
um, you know, why he seems to be avoiding moving the ball forwards for just, you know, being safe. Um, and whether that's because he's not seeing options or just because he doesn't want to take risks on the ball, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think he'd be an, a really interesting player to, to work with because there's certainly there's a technical gift there, but I'm not sure about his intelligence um, and his 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 body shape. This is something coaches talk about a lot: is body shape when receiving to always try to be able to play forwards as quickly as possible. And so many times he receives and he's just facing his own goal and he, it slows the game down. Uh, Luis, thoughts? Too mad to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know, Tom. I, I feel like uh, Alalo Torres and the Beltran midfield pairing is, is what Chivas needs to kind of pump some life into that midfield and maybe start getting some results for uh, for Chivas. I would try um, if I were there. Like I said, I mean, you know, I would I would like to work with Beltran for sure. I think it'd be really interesting and there's certainly potential there. Um, but as I pointed out in the article, if he weren't to improve, then that would be a position to target with uh, in the transfer market. Right, and you know, I mean, even like uh, Tata Martino for the national team, he was calling him up, and he was one. Of, we call him one of the Bucetich casualties because he was a consistent player being called up for the U23, the recent Olympic qualifying team. And you know, Chicote and Beltran Huerta, they they haven't been called up anymore because of the lack of minutes. So I don't know. I guess Tata sees something in him. Jimmy Lozano sees something in him. I don't know if it's just Bucetich. Can't maybe it's, figure out how to work maybe it's just or... the way that like we've talked about it that we just have no our players the way we attack it's just not there <laughs> we don't have the ball we don't have the off the ball movement uh maybe a lot of those passes that go sideways and backwards because he doesn't have the other options available up front um i think it's there, there is there is definitely a case for that and you know it's always difficult to separate out if a player looks bad or good because they are themselves bad or good right. or because they're right. playing in a good or bad system. That's why I would but, like to see it. I would like to see him and Lalo together a uh, different option at left back. Um, maybe a better attacking midfielder rather than just, just try Angulo or let's try Vega there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the counterpoint to what you're saying about Beltran is just that Lalo Torres has come in and has been able to have a much greater impact in Playing, um, playing forward passes, finding uh, guys in more dangerous positions. So no, I, I completely agree. I think like the, like we talked about the, the over the top ball that Lalo Torres can put, but maybe that's just mm-hmm. not Beltran's type of style. You know what I'm saying? So maybe he's no, not. It's not. Maybe he's more of like I've always looked at him as more of like the ball possession type midfielder, where he's going to keep hold possession. He's going to help the team hold possession. He's going to move it side to side, and maybe he can find Lalo open, who then Lalo's going to find the longer pass. That's why I would just like to see them work together, see just something different. I said, I kind of wish Alan Cervantes was still here. Oh, yeah. Another one we let go a, a little too early. He's um, done very well at Santos, actually. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you get a chance to work with him, or was that after you left Santos? Uh, I, I saw him um, I saw him once. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw him in Venom. He was someone who liked playing the long ball, even switching it, the ball from side to side. I remember when he was at Chivas, which maybe he maybe he would have been a player that would have that Wusatich would have liked a little bit more if he likes to play like those long through balls. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more kind of dynamism in his game. Yeah. I'd say. Um, you know what I found funny, Tom, too, was you you actually talked about uh, Sergio Flores, and that's the guy that we've kind of been uh, kind of been killing on the podcast because every time we bring him up, we we talk about him as a twenty six year old rookie. Like how how good can he be if uh, you know it took it took you up to until you were twenty six years old to make your debut in the Liga Mekis? But um, I I wasn't aware of his numbers with um, with Tapatio or or in the Ascenso. Yeah, he's someone I've kind of kept a little bit of an eye on for for a couple of years because he's consistently looked like the best defensive midfielder in the Ascenso. Um, how much does that mean? Well, it's hard to know, especially now, given that the league is kind of a semi-youth league. Uh, but, I mean, obviously Alan Torres has adapted pretty well, so... I, I think it would be nice if, if he got a chance in Liga Meki, so I'm not saying that Chivas should be throwing him in, but yeah. he his performances look like he's too good for the second division, so right. I think he he's kind of deserved the chance in Liga Mekis, but yeah, for a, a team with lower aspirations than Chivas, I'd say. So we need Copa Mekis back, right? Wait, we don't have that, right? <laughs> no, I think because the COVID got, got cancelled. I think so. Yeah, it got cancelled for this season. I mean, I don't know if it's even going to come back. Next See, that was year. a tournament where Chivas would always try out, try a lot of the like the youngsters and players they would bring up. Yeah, so maybe that would have been a competition he could have played in. Because I guess I it's, it's, hard. Done, yeah. it's hard for them to try players. Like we've always talked about how there's very little leeway with coaches in Liga and Mekis. Uh, maybe this year more than other years, but they're pro- there's, there's probably that, I don't, I don't want to risk starting somebody that has no experience because I might lose my job in two weeks or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so difficult when, you, when you've when you got such a lack of, um, a lack of just long-term vision, you know, right. everything's so short-term. It's, it's so hard. And I mean, this is where, you know, I think a lot of clubs make the error of just judging on results and not judging on other things. Because if you think of, and really, if you think of a pure financial term, um, how much, you know, Vucetic bringing through Lalo Torres this season, think about how much he could be worth for Chivas for a long time. You know, whether that be, maybe he gets sold on in the future, or even if he doesn't, just the money saved by not having to sign someone, that's a lot of money earned just by having, you know, being bold, giving a young guy a chance and helping him to to develop. That, that, that's a really good point. I, I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought about it like that. Um, let's, all right, so let's, we talked about the back line, we talked about the midfield. Now let's get into the, the front line and I think we should just start off with what everybody wants to talk about, JJ Macias. We get it all the time, Tom. Why does JJ not look like the JJ from Leon? And you know, we've kind of looked at some statistics on the pod. Um, I I remember Luis. I don't know if you remember what we talked about it. That Macias gets about half the amount of passes that he used to get at Leon, or I think like half the amount of passes that he used to get in the box at Leon. 
So obviously his productivity is going to fall off. And But then you also see it with the Olympic team. Kind of maybe these coaches don't know how to use Macias to his full potential. Um, Tom, what do, you, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I totally agree with, with what you said there, to be honest. Um, and again, comes back to the points being made earlier about judging a, a player versus judging them in a certain team and how much are we how much of what we're seeing is due to to the team they're in and how much is purely the player right. um, and and strikers in particular are players that will always be massively affected by how good their team is because like you say you're you're relying on the rest of the team to get you touches you're relying on the rest of the team to create chances for you and the simple stat to back it up is is the touches in the area. When he played at, at Leon, when he had his amazing breakthrough season, he was second in the league for touches in the area per 90 minutes. And since being back at Chivas, he's been sort of mid-ranked in the league. Yeah, and then, you know, that also affects a striker's confidence. And I think a striker with no confidence is useless on the pitch. You know, he's not going to score even the easiest goals that they, they, set, up, they set him up for. Um, I mean, what what are you what what are you guys' thoughts uh, on him though in general? I mean, are you still really excited I, by him or, or less so now? To be honest, I don't think he really excites me that much. To be honest, I think maybe at striker, especially when we see where Vega's been used, he's probably the best we have over uh, the Ronaldo Cisneros, the Saldivar. So he is the best of those options. And he can score. Like I, I'm so frustrated watching him play because there's moments where he looks like a great striker. He creates these quick one-on-ones, gets gets the ball into space and shoots it and scores a golazo. And then there's other times where he looks like he can't even dribble with the ball. He tries to beat these players well and he just can't do it. Um, he looks very sloppy at times on the ball to me. Uh, I've always been one, and I saw and I saw this with the national team. Even though he played a little bit freely in the last game, um, I would want to see Vega play. I think Vega has the 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 characteristics for what the team needs more than than JJ Macias does, but I'm not like I don't hate him either though. Like, I can, I'm cool with him. <laughs> well, there you, there was you, that you one consider point. dropping him though. Like, it, uh, oh, if, all right. If the option was start Vega or Macias and one as the number nine, I would I would go with Vega over Macias. I just think he fits the speed of the, of of the team better, just ball control. I just think he fits the team better. I was I was gonna bring up Luis. Remember, was it last season? I think there was one point where Macias missed like four or five games in a row and honestly it was kind of like the best offensive uh look that Chivas has had all season like and then when they announced that Matias was coming back everyone was like oh damn it like just let him, <laughs> let him rest let him rest the rest of the season because we've kind of been looking okay offensively so yeah I mean I like him I think he has great potential but I just think the system right now is not it's not been it doesn't benefit him in and then, therefore, it doesn't benefit Chivas for him him being up top there. It's it's weird because uh, it's weird because he's a striker. He's a striker and he can score goals, but it almost feels it almost feels like he has too much confidence in his abilities. And at times it helps him, and at times it just really hurts him. He can look completely lost. There was a game with the national team the other day where he just looked completely lost out there. Even when he got the ball, he just I don't know, just something about him that just didn't look like he fit in. Yeah, I mean. He's definitely the, uh, the sort of striker that he really needs a lot to be created for him. I think, you know, he's excellent at finding space in the box. 
and losing his man. And um, he's shown in the past to be a pretty reliable finisher. Mm-hmm. He obviously, like all strikers, goes through good and bad moments, but in general, he's a pretty reliable finisher. But he's not someone who really is going to help a lot with build-up. Obviously, a lot of strikers, if they're not scoring, are still doing a job of being that target man, holding the ball up against defenders. And that's just not something he really does that much. And that that's something that Alan Pulido used to do really well. Like He wouldn't score as many goals, but I think his impact on the team was super relevant after he, after he left Chivas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that it, that's been sort of proven even more after he left, right? Yep. Do you, um, given the current, let's see, given the current crop of players, do you think he's the perfect striker for Chivas without any signings or anything like that? I mean, it's, it's tough to say perfect. I I think that the, the thing about I, I'm going to annoy by not by like not answering your question. No, fine, fine. It's by a different angle, but. Strikers are the most expensive players. They're the hardest ones to find. And I think more that the thought should be to tailor your game a little bit more for the striker. You know, um, wh- unless, of course, that is that you are like, okay, we have to play more direct. We have to have someone who can compete more physically against centre-backs. Mm-hmm. Then you'd say, no, he's, he's, he's not right at all. But considering that you are a team that like to normally keep the ball on the ground and play through teams rather than more, go more direct. Then, um, I, I think he he he's he's fine uh, and could be outstanding if he had more chances created. And I think that was one of the when you watched the U twenty three team play. I think you you understood, and obviously they're going against lesser competition, but you understood how much of a difference a player like Cordova made for them. For mm. Vega and how much easier he made everyone's life by just being more of a creative midfielder, and I think that's what Chivas lacks. Like, I mean, we've we we didn't have. I mean, we didn't, even when we had trophies, we didn't use them. Uh, <laughs> we just haven't had a creative midfielder, you can say, since Pizarro was here. I was hoping trophies would come up. <laughs> oh, I, me and you did a podcast a long time ago, and I know you're a big fan of trophies, so we're glad to have you on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, he still gets brought up every now and then. Hey, there's there's some of us that wish still wish he was here. I mean, we understand all the <laughs> off the field issues and stuff, but talent. He was never given. He was never given the right opportunities. He was too harshly yeah, criticized. Yeah. A shame that he didn't get to work really with some of the new guys that have come in, like like Macias, like um, like Antuna, especially with their speed and his vision. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to do that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk attacking midfielder then for Chivas. Um, we've seen Busetich we use none. Vega and I mean the current attacking <laughs> midfielder. We've seen Busetich use Vega and um, Angulo this season, but neither player I feel like that that's their strength. I think Vega a little more prospers a little more than Angulo, but you know it's not it's neither player's strength in my opinion. And then Tom, you have you have data to kind of back that up. Yeah, Vega's um, a frustrating one because I think we there's no doubt that he has the potential to be one of the outstanding attacking players in in Liga Mekis. And, yeah. you know, he was... I guess what's kind of strange with him is that he was signed as a striker, but he's barely played as a striker for Chivas. Yeah, Polido was here, right, when he got here, I think? 
and then Macias. Yeah. So you've just never yeah. been given that opportunity. Yeah. Do yeah. You, and, is that where know, he's the, better fit to be the striker, or is he fine like well, as a secondary role? It's kind of hard to say now because he's adapted his game so much to playing as a winger or as a kind of number 10 attacking midfielder that you know what you normally expect when you put a striker a natural striker on the wing or attacking midfielder is that they still kind of play as a striker like they'll position themselves a little bit deeper a little bit wider but they're still going to spend most of their time trying to get into shooting positions trying to get in behind make those runs in behind defenses um get into the box rather than coming deep but vegas completely changed and we see him all the time coming deep to receive the ball um you know he's getting a lot of touches in chivas's own half now which is something that i i didn't really expect from him a while ago so it's a little bit strange but i mean the the big 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 problem with him is that the deeper he plays on the pitch, the more he shoots from really, really far out. Yeah, I saw that that uh, gra- that graph you had of his uh, shots and on target. How many of them were just like outside of the box? And of course, we all remember the golazo against Atlas that he scored. But like the Chicote goals, you know, those are those are outliers. As much as we don't want to admit it, but you know, you can't rely on that, especially not. I think the way the game has evolved. It's got to yeah. be that striker mentality that oh, I have an option. I have an I have an open shot. Let me just take it. I think it is. I, I think it is. He's just that's ingrained in him. That he's confident. You, he's, you he see how many confidence. times he get the ball. Yeah. He dribbles past one guy and it's just shot. Like that, you know it's coming every single time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's the best best player of the uh, Olympic qualifying tournament. So he's doing doing something right. But um, as a striker, right? Yeah, as a striker. <laughs> as a striker, that's true. I didn't even think about. It. He did play on the left wing, though, right? At times, and in, like... in the final, because Masia started. Yeah. So when he came in, that's true. He, he played play on the left wing, but he was a striker though up until the last game. Up that until when Masia played, and when wow. Masia played, he didn't look well. So, there goes that. <laughs> yeah, I think again, he's just another player who could benefit a lot from having a clearer idea, clearer vision of coaching um you know he's just someone who needs to be told like alexis don't just stop doing that right the fact that he switched positions and still is able to affect the team in a positive way or do a good job um even though he does take the long shots just goes to show like his how skilled of a player he is that he can move around and play very different positions up top yeah he is and you know he's he's quick he's powerful um He's quicker than he looks, too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very good at beating defenders one v one. He's got a lot of qualities, and he just needs to improve his decision making sometimes. And maybe sometimes I get the feeling that perhaps he's so desperate to make an impact that frustrated, he, frustrated. You know, that that's what leads him to coming too deep, or right. that's what leads him to trying to shoot from really far out because he's so desperate to kind of be the hero and make an impact that is maybe to the detriment of the whole team. That's a good way of putting it because I always talk about he's he's one of the players where it just looks like he wants to win so bad. Yeah. He just yeah. Want, he just wants to do everything. Like he's willing to do whatever to help the team. And like you said, maybe in certain cases that 
it hurts him and, and maybe in other cases it helps him that he plays with that type of passion yeah I, I i agree and you know it's great to have players like that he just maybe needs to to channel it um to be more mm-hmm. effective for the team all right so we talked about vega let's talk about antuna who had a great you know olympic qualifying tournament as well and we kind of saw jimmy lozano use well, we saw Jimmy Lozano use Antuna correctly, as opposed to Bucetich, who's kind of, or with Chivas, where he's kind of forced to be that, take on the defender, and then get the cross in, as opposed to receive the ball in space and then use your speed and exploit it. Um, I feel like, you know, the jokes on Twitter are that Antuna can't do what he does with the national team on Chivas, but they're completely different situations, and... I think um Tom you have you have the data that proves it too. Yeah, I, first of all I mean that is an important point to bring up that it's very different situations national yeah. team and and Chivas and um a lot of what he's done at, at the national team has been against shall we say lesser opposition. Yeah. Um, so yeah. L- lower quality than you're going to get in Liga Mekis. but I really like him. I'm I'm a big fan of Antuna. I think Again, another player, if used correctly, if you've got um, guys finding him with with his off-the-ball movement, he's someone who can end a Liga Meki season, I, I, I think, near the top of sort of the goals and assists chart. If, um, yeah, if, if, if he's found in those spaces, like you say, uh, getting in behind defences, his movement off the ball is very, very impressive, and he can be pretty deadly when he gets into those um, situations as well. Yeah, I think he's a victim of of Wusatich's coaching style. That sometimes he just drops too far back, and then he is forced mm-hmm. to do more of those one v ones rather than hey, run into space and and we'll hit you. By the time, by the time he's getting the ball on our side of the field a lot, and then where it's a slow build up, it's not a quick build. It's not a quick let's attack you down the wings, quick long balls. So I think he's a little bit of a victim of, of the coaching style. Yeah, and also the options. Um, you know, again, not having about the whole team leads and coming back to the defenders, the midfielders. Um, it, you know, he needs the the players who can find him, and that's where uh, I think Lalo Torres, with his ability to play those balls over the top, is is quite exciting. The the combination that they could have. I'm really interested to see what what Busetich is going to do. After um, you know, watching the qualifier <laughs> qualifying, and I think he's gonna change. <laughs> well, I mean, he had a press conference uh, yesterday, and <laughs> I feel like the whole the whole press conference, even downplaying the level of competition that you get at the Olympic qualifying qualifying tournament. But I mean, as a player, that's not something you want to hear from your coach, right? Like, well, my players did well because they played people below their level instead of kind of praising them for what they did right like you don't want to hear that from your coach you want to hear yeah they did a good job or you know i watched the tape and we're gonna see how we can use that to benefit chivas as opposed to just nah they played they played people that suck so that's why they were good like that's what you want to hear these coaches are stubborn in their ways that's a really good point I, i hadn't really thought about it like that i mean i think he's right to be honest um no yeah he's right but but the player, yeah, you don't want to hear that. It's it's classic coaches um, just kind of 
not wanting to use... not wanting to look and say, hey, maybe there's something there. Yeah, maybe I mean, like maybe it's, why it's not? Stubbornness. Um, and I hadn't thought about it in terms of boosting a player up, but yeah, you'd think you'd probably want to be very positive after what they've achieved and um, yeah, praise them, right? Yeah, the, the whole the whole press conference, all he did was kind of downplay the level of competition, and and I think at one point he did say, you know, these these players are good, so you know, this is what was expected <laughs> of them, but for a brief like. 10 seconds and then the rest was like nah they, they, they didn't play anybody good they, you know it's not real competition I, I I didn't I was not a fan of the of the press conference he did I think at one hey. point he said I know the hey, players he, better than Jimmy Lozano when he didn't play anybody good when he was coach of the national team for two games and he didn't play anyone good <laughs> he didn't do good either <laughs> that's why they got rid of him in two games that's true um, he also dropped the comment where he said you know I know I know the players better than Jimmy Lozano but Jimmy Lozano's had him for a lot less time and made them look a lot better. So it's kind of like contradicting yourself, in my opinion. Mm. But uh, Tom, overall thoughts on Chivas? Like, what what would be like? How can they improve? Like, I know they're not going to do it, you know, over twenty four hours. But or like two positions, you would say, hey, if, yeah, if they improve something. here, they might click. A little bit more. Or is it like a new system they need? Like, I don't know what they need. You got any friends in the UK that want to coach? <laughs> <laughs> you got Pep Guardiola's number? <laughs> I I don't, sadly. Um, that would obviously be the best solution. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll take Bielsa then. <laughs> yeah, look, I think there's, to be honest, it was, it was a really interesting exercise. Of, um, writing and thinking a lot about uh the makeup of the Chivas squad and um learning more about the players obviously I had quite a lot of ideas about the players but the more you look into it the more you watch clips the more you understand and I do think there's a lot of talent there but there's there for a while hasn't been a really obvious um idea in terms of what is expected from the players in different positions. And I think that shows in the makeup of the squad where you've got lots of different options to play in different places and they do very different things. And coaches aren't always able to exploit the best of their abilities. And sometimes you end up with you know guys like Vega arguably playing out of position. So for a while there's been seemingly a lack of vision um in terms of how the squad fits together and how that the, um, the players and the coaching is going to be able to to see a a vision come true and um to reach certain goals uh things have been probably much more short-termist than that having said all that there's a lot of talent in the squad and a lot of young players so i do think that with a shall we say more intelligent attacking system um clearer ideas (laughs) (laughs) i do think there's still a lot of potential um yeah i'm 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 interested if you have like maybe one or two players in mind that you think would benefit this chivas team because i know for a long time you were uh you were a big fan of uh 
And yeah. when we got him, I always wondered, I was like, damn, I wonder if she was watching Tom's Twitter tweets. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if you have a, any new players in mind that you think, hey, maybe this, this player might fit with this Chivas team or, or something like that. Oh, yeah, he was great. I don't know why he didn't play. He was well, amazing to me. But anyway. Um, he left on unfortunate terms. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I know. Un- unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's a shame what happened. Um, yeah. But there we go. In terms of other players, like I said, I think maybe a midfielder would be the first option. But I'm always, I always like to believe that you should look inside before trying to go outside for okay. improvements to the squad. And so I wouldn't want to, if, if there is a strong belief in Beltran, I wouldn't want to go out and sign, say, Luis Chavez from Pachuca. Right. Um, and then j- just straight away without actually trying to work with Beltran for longer and trying to uh, zoom in on what you believe he needs to improve to be successful within your idea of the game and um, seeing if he can do it. Because like you said, if you give up too soon, you can often regret it like with Cervantes. Right. And I, and I feel like like when we talk about Beltran, like the long balls of playing it forward, I mean, I feel like that's something you, you should be able to coach the player and, and getting to adapt. I know it might not come natural to him because that's not how he came up playing, but I feel like you can kind of add something like that into his game. Uh, what about, what do you think about, this is a player that's constantly been linked with Chivas for like a few years now, and I feel like he would fit maybe in multiple positions because of how versatile he is, Eric Aguirre from Pachuca. Yeah, I mean, we, it was assumed that he was going to go to Chivas a few, a few seasons ago, right? yeah. I thought I thought it was gonna happen. I can't remember if it was the same season we got Pocho Guzman or if it was a season right after. Um, I think it was that same time where like we got everybody the, the spending spree. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 had found him like in the airport in Guadalajara and everything. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I think it was that same year when they got Chicote Calderon and they got all these players. Yeah, he's a he's a great player, um, and like you say, his his versatility. Is impressive, but I would be concerned for a versatile player going to Chivas in terms of like, would they end up being used in the right way? Mm, that's true. Put a mass um, striker, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but also, in terms of the amount of money that he would cost, I'm not sure it would be considered value for money. Um, you know, to go out and spend significant money i think you've got to be quite confident that the player is definitely an upgrade on who you've got right now and is definitely gonna come in to do a certain specific job that's that's a really good point because i think of i think about the game when we lost the finals no no what's the final semi-final to leon Mm. Um, and I think the way the, the way Navarro played and how high up the field he was, it almost looked like he was an attacking midfielder. And it's like how many coaches would, tr- would really utilize him in that way. Uh, you have to have a coach that's going to trust him and, and and play him to utilize him in his full potential. So I guess that's a good point you're saying. Is it, is 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 he? Are we going to bring in players and use them the way they should be used? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, 
it's kind of I like to try to think backwards. You know, you start with this is what we want to do. This is what we want to achieve. You know, and this is how we're going to achieve it. These are the types of players we need to achieve it. In in this position, we need a guy who's good at X, Y, and Z. Um, and then have we got it? Yes, no. You know, is there, there this player out there who who can do X, Y, and Z and we need him because no one else can? Or is he better at doing X, Y, and Z than the current guy we've got? And therefore, do we think it's worth money? How long do we think that he can sustain that level for? Is there potential resale value? Um, those are the sorts of questions I, I think that, that they should be asking. Um, but first of all, I'd always ask, is there someone in the club who can do it? Is there someone in the youth academy who's coming through um, who we really believe in and we're going to put some faith in him uh, and give him minutes rather than signing someone and then meaning that he's never going to get on the pitch and right. he's just going to, you know, stagnate. Yeah, that's, that's Which a is good kind point. of like a, a Huerta thing. You know, we didn't mention... Oh, that's Huerta, right. But... Huerta, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a few players because I think I thought is he a Tapatio? Oscar Macias. Yep. We brought yep. him back and pretty much haven't really heard of. He hasn't even touched the first team yet. And I think at one point when he was playing with what was the team that Iguera owned? I forgot the name of it, but there was a time when he was playing second division where he was getting called up to like these youth national teams. And now yeah, he comes back to Chivas and we don't hear right nothing now. about him. I think he's had quite a good season in the the um, Liga de Expansión. Yeah, and he's, he's more like well an offensive him. midfielder. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that that's would a good be, point. I guess, coming back to the potential signings and another position you could look at. I like Angulo. Um, I actually found I liked him more than I thought I did when I, I did <laughs> this research. Um, but there is an argument that you're missing um, a really outstanding creative guy in the final third who can you know play play the, the sort of slip through balls for guys like Macias and Antuna yeah no I agree we need someone a, a central a central attacking creative option right because we have, I feel like we have the like when you look at the team do you see a team that or I, was, I should ask you we're looking at this Chivas roster where do you think they should be finishing and how how much should they be competing should they be competing for a championship a playoff team because clearly we're not we shouldn't be as bad as we are no um i think at the moment i guess the weird thing about liga mechis is that you've got kind of positions aren't that important right you've got three sections where you can finish in the league you're either a top four automatic into the quarterfinals or you're a repachaje or you're out I mean, that's about it. It doesn't really matter where you come within those positions as much. Um, and yeah, right now I'd say Chivas are a repechaje team. That's where the squad's at. And um, in terms of going on to make finals potentially, a lot of those games are just come down to weird random luck, to be honest. Um, no, I agree. The, the aim for me would be, you know, at least make sure you're in the top 12, but maybe long-term you want to be consistently pushing into the 
into the top four. And then you're getting yourself into a situation where if the luck goes for you, you could win a championship. Right. If the luck goes against you, it's a disaster. Whereas right now we're not in those positions to even get in. And it, doesn't look, it doesn't look like we're going to get in. I don't think we're not, not based off the schedule. I don't know if you've seen the schedule, but it's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, we got a I'm rough month coming up. I mean, we can get into we can get into Cubans' next game, especially because uh, wow, Tom... that is a tough schedule. <laughs> Are we in or out, Tom? Come on, I said yeah. out. Morrow said in. I don't see it. See, the, the, I'd have said definitely in, but looking I'm... at this schedule, it's it's making me. <laughs> what is it? Santos, Monterrey, Tigres, Cruz Azul. I, 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 I'll stick with him. Twelfth place. Twelfth place. Oh wow. See, we did this. We did this a few weeks ago, and then we also looked at the teams that are like right in that twelfth spot. When you look at, I think it was, I think it was Leon was one of those teams. Pachuca and Pachuca, and some of those just had easier schedules than us. So, that's yeah, why, that's why Le- I said Leon that. had this like weird schedule where they played all the hard teams at the start of the season. The um, hard teams like Chivas. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably prove to be hard, right? Um, <laughs> although, you know, they've, they've got, um, obviously, the CONCACAF Champions League, so. That's true. That could be a distraction. Oh, yeah. All right, well, we're looking at we're looking at remaining schedules. And, you know, initially, Tom, when we were looking at the schedule, we looked, we saw that Santos was coming up, and we were like, that'd be the perfect episode to bring to bring Tom onto the pod. Um, right now, Santos is in third place. Chivas is in 16th place. Do we think... Chivas has like a chance of pulling off the upset because you know it's pretty much a David versus Goliath matchup. I think yeah. if you look at the table, I don't think it's quite a David and Goliath matchup. Um, no. I think the thing to remember with Santos is there's normally quite a big difference between how they play at home versus away. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so away from home, they've actually only won one game this season. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams have only won one game away from home, but but Chivas isn't particularly a uh, a good home team. I think they're actually a better away team in the recent. Chivas seasons. have also only won one game at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have we won more than one in the whole season? <laughs> yeah, one one home win. Uh, oh, yeah, like two Chivas, wins, three wins is... all season. <laughs> yeah, playing yeah, at home no, is I not good. It's. <laughs> It's it's winnable. Uh, it's a tough game, but it's an interesting game. Santos are a, a very distinctive team um, under Almada. They're the most sort of intense, high pressure, um, vertical, quick, sort of um, more probably more German uh, pressing style team oh that we have in Mexico so their games are, are always quite interesting to watch and quite it's quite different playing them to playing a lot of teams that you normally play yeah I mean the, the question is does this mean that you really struggle to build up against them because you're under the, your players are under so much pressure or actually does that help you to play through their, them? their press or play yeah. over them Right. Because rather than sitting back, which is what Chivas normally get, especially at home, like that's the vision I have of a Chivas home game is 
Chivas have the ball, the other team is sitting back. Uh, Santos don't really do that. See, that's the hard part of judging all these games. It's like when Varro says David worth Goliath. Like, I don't see it like that because when you look at Chivas' attack, you got to always give them a chance. So you have these players that can create one-on-one shots, and it's like, all right, they have the chance. But then you – like, when you say a team is going to high press us, that automatically makes you think we're in trouble. But then, like you said, does that give us Lalo Torres an option to hit a long ball over the top and find Antuna in speed? Ah, these play these games are so hard to judge. Yeah, yeah, they are. And well, I mean, this is this is why football is great, right? You get these these yeah, different ways of playing it, going up against each other, and like one a strength one team's strength can be their weakness the next week, depending on how yeah. the game goes. I would I would say, and I think. Varo will agree on this is like the biggest complications will be if that high press works and Santos gets a goal on us that's where it mm-hmm. becomes extremely complicated for us yeah yeah like, I think a, a good example is looking back to the Juarez game yeah. yeah where that first half where they got two quick goals and like they actually that was the best game they they played under Tena funnily enough um, <laughs> you know they high pressed you really well and won the ball up the pitch quite a few times. Then um, I just yeah, played outside and team played him <laughs> when he was at two <laughs> So like this is what teams did to me, so let's just try this against them. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, the, the rest of his games didn't really work out very well. Um Tom, as as someone that worked for a Liga MX team, um we talk about it on the pod that we feel like teams don't well, especially Chivas with the coaches we've had and the luck we've had we feel like teams don't go sit down and watch film on their opponents or they don't take like advanced uh, analytics into account when going into their into their match for the for the weekend like i bring up the all or nothing amazon series that they do on certain football teams and you watch mm-hmm. pep guardiola watch like hours of films like he's on the train watching film he's on the plane watching film uh bielsa watches film like crazy the team sits down and watches film how how much do like particular I guess Santos you would only know but do they really like break down film like that and take advanced analytics into account before heading into a match? Um, it's tough to know for obviously a lot of these things are secret and the the interesting thing about these shows like these Amazon series is we've got to see behind the scenes of in a, of clubs in a way that we've never seen before, right? Yeah, and. Although obviously, you know, we know that they're super edited and manufactured in a way to make the team look good, but yeah, you know, those things aren't faked. Like these coaches do watch and study their okay. opponents very intensely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, from a from a Liga Mekis context, it's it's tough to know exactly because everything really comes down ultimately to the coach and the or, or from a slightly different perspective the the directors of the team and so you know Liga Mekis clubs will have um, most of them have what they call their Inteligencia Deportiva department which will mainly work on uh, you know pre-match analysis post-match analysis video stuff and those guys who are doing that job can be doing the exact same thing. Like they can do the same level quality of of pre-match reports, 
but actually it's completely out of their hands whether that has an impact or not it's not up to them like they can present the best thing in the world but it's up to the the coach then if they decide that they want to use it or not and that can differ a lot depending on who the coach is oh wow that's interesting yeah because we make the joke all the time like i think when it was like Cardoso, I was like, well, I wonder what film Cardoso watches. And, like, how? <laughs> watches his own goals, probably on YouTube. <laughs> it's like, what film are you watching? Because I know Chivas is supposed to get a an Amazon series. I think All or Nothing season two, but I haven't really heard anything about it. They've announced, they've actually announced the Juventus season coming. So I don't know if it was just so bad that they're like, you know what? Amani's <laughs> like, I don't want this out. I don't want anybody see what a what a mess we are but something to keep an eye on i guess <laughs> yeah I, I heard they would be doing one i mean it would be it would be really really interesting to see how that it would, would it was an interesting year i think it would it would it would it would it would have covid it would have coaching being fired it would it would be a mess yeah i had i had on twitter like a whole breakdown of everything that was going to be a part of that that uh that series i think uh, losing the Clásico, like winning the the Chicotazos. Yeah, um, final trophy. Yeah, then I getting COVID, then I getting fired. Um, like every they had a little bit of everything, but I don't know. I haven't seen any updates on it. I'm, I'm gonna have to jump on Amari Vergara's next uh, Instagram live and ask him because he actually answers questions that fans send him. But uh, Luis, do you have anything else for uh, Tom before we wrap up? No, I think it's it's been a great conversation. Yeah, well, hopefully we can have him maybe after the season when it is time to look at some transfers and and, and the team. Hopefully we can have you back, Tom. Yeah, I mean, thanks a lot for having me. It's been it's been really fun to chat. Um, obviously, I've been thinking quite a lot about Chivas lately, so it's been fun to have the chance to to talk about it with with some fans. And uh, yeah, I'd love to come on again if if you'll have me after my comments on Beltran and stuff. <laughs> No, we'll have a bit too much of a backlash. <laughs> the, the fan base is pretty understanding. You didn't say the worst of things about him. You didn't. You said you would give him a you would give him a chance. That's more than some coaches currently. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. We're, that's all we really want is just a chance. Yeah, um, fortunately, I I can say this without my job being on the line. So, right. <laughs> uh, Tom, let them let them know where they can find you on uh, social media, man. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at TomH underscore 36. All right, and we'll definitely tag you. We'll uh, link all the articles that we talked about on the pod. Um, they're in Spanish, but that's why we broke it down on the pod in English for those that don't read or speak Spanish. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, this has been another episode of the Chivas del Norte podcast. We are out. Peace.